Welcome to Global Dispatches. This is your host, Mark Leon Goldberg. Yemen is the latest hot mess in the Middle East. It's always been the poorest country in the Gulf, and now it may become the latest battleground in a regional struggle between Saudi Arabia and Iran. On the phone with me today to help make sense of the Yemen conflict, what are its drivers, and what can be done to stop the crisis before it gets totally out of control, is April Longley Alley of the International Crisis Group. She's the co-author of a new report on the situation, which I encourage you to read, and I'll provide a link on globaldispatchespodcast.com. And in the conversation you are about to hear, we go deep into the roots of the current conflict. And I think one key takeaway that I drew is that at this point, it's probably far too simplistic to call this a proxy war, but it certainly has the potential to become one. So if you have 15 minutes and want a textured understanding of the conflict in Yemen, I encourage you to have a listen. I also want to say that today's topic came at the suggestion of a listener, and I take those suggestions very seriously. So if you have an idea for a future podcast episode, reach out to me via globaldispatchespodcast.com or hit me up on Twitter at Mark L. Goldberg, and I will pursue your suggestion. All right, so here it is, my conversation with April Longley Alley of the International Crisis Group. Looking for a trustworthy podcast to bring you unfiltered viewpoints and experiences on global health? Tune into Global Health Matters, the podcast that connects silos and amplifies diverse voices to give you a holistic picture. Each month, Dr. Gary Aslanian from the World Health Organization hosts discussions with guests spanning former ministers of health, award-winning journalists and authors, and frontline public health workers. Join listeners from across 180 countries for an exciting Season 4, launching in June. Global Health Matters is available on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, and YouTube. There's like this kind of media shorthand narrative, which I'm, I think maybe somewhat guilty of perpetuating in which you sort of refer to the Houthis as uh, Iran-backed rebels. Like how accurate is that? And what is sort of the level of Iranian involvement to the best that you can deduce? To, to reduce the Yemeni conflict uh, right now to an Iranian and Saudi uh, proxy war, or to talk about a sectarian conflict uh, is deeply misleading. So both of these uh, uh, are um, increasingly becoming important elements inside of the Yemeni conflict dynamics. Uh, but it's important, of course, to dig a little bit deeper and, and understand um, you know, how, much, how much of an influence they're actually having uh, inside of the Yemeni context. In terms of Iran, um, the Houthis um, certainly have have relationships with Iran, historical relationships uh, w- with Iran. Um, they're open about their their political ties um, uh, to to Iran, and they um, receive a certain amount of certainly moral support, political support. Uh, the degree to which they um, receive financial support uh, or military uh, support is is open for for debate. I think the more important point is that it's 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 probably been um, ex- Exaggerated, um, certainly by um, uh, by regional uh, countries, uh, particularly um, Saudi Arabia. So you you have a situation where increasingly um, the region, uh, Saudi Arabia in particular, has viewed uh, the Houthis not so much as a homegrown uh, Yemeni movement, uh, but as more of an Iranian proxy. 
And so um, the the logic of this regional struggle between um, Saudi Arabia and Iran is now seeping in, and in quite a quite a significant way to to the Yemeni um, political struggle. Um, in that its neighbor um, uh, certainly uh, views uh, the Houthis through that lens, and I think that that's certainly a, a large part of, of why um, you know Saudi felt uh, compelled uh, to to lead this um, the the military intervention through Operation uh, Decisive Storm. There are many uh, factors at play, but that was certainly uh, one of them. And um, to a certain extent, uh, you know, this uh, discussion of an Iranian. Um, Saudi proxy war inside of Yemen, um, it could become and may increase, is, is increasingly become to some extent a, a self-fulfilling prophecy. So a self-fulfilling prophecy in the sense that the more the Saudis insist that the Houthis are nothing more than Iranian proxies, the more that the Saudis feel compelled to intervene? So I think I think the, the best example of this is probably what happened in, in January and in February uh, when the Houthis uh, consolidated control over all of Sana'a uh, in the parts that they didn't have control over um, since their takeover in, in September. Um, and what you had was uh, the group taking actions that certainly did not do anything to decrease uh, fears coming from, from the Gulf and from Saudi Arabia. Um, of their um, Iranian connection. They sent a high-level delegation uh, to Tehran uh, to specifically ask for um, financial uh, assistance and development assistance. Uh, they also opened um, flights uh, directly between Sana'a and, and Tehran, um, which were not operating before. That was more um, uh, certainly a symbolic. Um, but, you know, again, they, they started taking actions that just um, uh, augmented uh, the concern that, that, that was already there. And to some extent, um, you know, this is taking place uh, because they are increasingly uh, isolated. Yemen desperately needs uh, external support. Um, since the Houthi takeover of the capital in September, um, the Saudis have uh, cut uh, direct financial aid to, to the Yemeni uh, government. And so, you know, finding themselves increasingly isolated, they have uh, more openly and increasingly reached out to, to Iran. Can you talk a little bit about what some of the causes of the Houthi rebellion were? Like, what what were what are their grievances? What caused them to take up arms and take over the capital uh, last January and continue and, and continue their their offensive throughout much of the country? So, when you talk about the Houthi rebellion, actually, most people who follow Yemeni politics will look back to two thousand four when they fought six rounds of confrontation uh, with the Yemeni government uh, between 2004 and, and, and 2010. And this was um, uh, a rebellion uh, in, the, in the north of the north of the country um, in which there were you know, a, a number of grievances associated uh, with that particular uh, conflict, uh, probably um, uh, just to summarize, had, had much to do with uh, the uh, feeling of marginalization and exclusion of um, this uh, Zaidi community in, in, in the far north and the fear that um, the spread of um, Salafism in particular in traditional Zaidi areas was undermining um, uh, the cultural and religious uh, traditions of, of that area, but also combined with um, uh, lack of economic development, lack of ac um, political participation in, in, in that area. Um, and so, it, but this conflict uh, metastasized over time, drew in many different groups, and 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 really the, the political ambitions of the Houthis during that conflict um, 
were were opaque and and, and unspecific. Um, but now we moved into a, a very different phase for the movement since the 2011 uprising, um, in which they um, worked with many different opposition groups against uh, Ali Abdullah Saleh, the former um, president, who was yeah, ousted in the, the Arab Spring. Yeah, exactly. And so they aligned with many different um, opposition groups in the country, including their current enemy, um, the Islam Party, to uh, overthrow Ali Abdullah Saleh. But what happened essentially in the, in the course of um, since the 2011 uprising, the Arab Spring uprising in, in, in Yemen, is you had a, a political agreement, the GCC initiative and then UN-backed implementation mechanisms that set up a framework for moving forward. So it gave Saleh immunity from prosecution and then set up a, a, um, a political roadmap so that the country could have a national dialogue process and um, could then uh, produce a settlement that would lay the foundation for a new constitution. And, and I remember at and the time this was relatively well celebrated as like a good example of a, um, you know, it wasn't like a peaceful revolution, but like a good political resolution to a violent conflict that could have gotten even more violent had this resolution not been imposed, right? It was. It was discussed as, as, as the Yemen model and held up quite positively as, as, as a model of what could happen in, in, in the region. Sort of like a counterpoint to Syria. As a counterpoint uh, to Syria, exactly. Um, now, but what happened was, you know, there were... Um, there were points to admire and to celebrate about the about the initiative. I mean, the National Dialogue Conference did bring together diverse actors. The Houthis were part of the National Dialogue process, as were some parts of, of, of the Southern movement, this group that is asking for um, autonomy for the South or independence. Um, they did produce some um, agreements on uh, the future structure of the state. But what happened over time was that this GCC initiative, um, the government that was formed uh, during this transitional period, and then also the way the dialogue was handled in many ways, it, it failed to live up to the expectations of many groups. Um, it failed to really incorporate the Houthis, uh, young people, youth, and also the Southern movement really into the political decision-making process quickly. You had a continuation of corruption, a continuation of kind of the old uh, regime uh, elite uh, networks of, um, of corruption and patronage um, that were shifted a bit, um, but were not really fundamentally changed. And when the national dialogue ended, um, again, it produced some uh, good outcomes, but it did not produce a strong consensus on two issues. One was uh, political power sharing uh, before elections were to be held, uh, a strong agreement on what that would look like in practice, including what positions the Houthis would hold, for example, inside of the government or inside of the military security apparatus, um, and also on the issue of the structure of the state. So the Southerners, many in the South, are, are demanding a separation uh, from the North. The South was an independent state before 1990. And the Houthis themselves were not happy, were not satisfied with the outcome of six-part federalism, um, which was an outcome that was produced by a subcommittee within the National Dialogue that was put together by President Hattie because the larger group couldn't come to a consensus on what a federal structure would look like. So it was really unresolved at, at, at a popular level and was a top-down process that was imposed. And so you had, the, for the Houthis, this was, this was a red line. They were um, uh, essentially put into a, a federal region um, that was landlocked and had few, few resources. And so, so they resorted to, to arms. 
Um, in summary, uh, yes, that was eventually the case. So what you had was a, a dialogue that didn't have consensus on these two issues. Um, then after the dialogue was finished, even what was agreed to wasn't quickly quickly implemented. So you lose some of that momentum and goodwill. The Houthis were able to capitalize on on, on the failure to implement uh, some of the agreements from from the dialogue. For example, forming a new and more inclusive government, uh, which did not happen. Um, then in the summer of 2014, when the government lifted uh, fuel subsidies, this created an enormous backlash, uh, especially uh, in, the, in, in the north of the country, and allowed the Houthis a political opportunity to capitalize on this and mobilize people. They had already been spreading in the north uh, militarily on the ground um, th through arms and also through um, PACs and coalitions with different tribal alliances. Um, uh, previous to this, 2013 and 2014, they spread um, uh, in the north, and it was really a product of, of, of state weakness at the center. So there was no strong uh, center of gravity or state. Uh, really, many parts of the, of the political um, system in Yemen had been disillusioned and frustrated uh, with during the course of the, of the um, transitional period. So they aligned with different groups in the north, uh, even uh, associates of former President Ali Abdullah Saleh, who had fought you know, six rounds of confrontation against them and who they had aligned against in 2011, they aligned with many of his supporters in the north against common enemies um, in their spread. So against uh, um, common enemies such as the Sunni Islamist Party Islam or such as um, um, the tribal family uh, Beit al-Ahmar. So you know, this, their spread had been happening uh, on the ground as they participated in the dialogue. And then in the summer of 2014, as the government lifted fuel subsidies, they moved in the street. In September, they came, they, they came into Sanaa. Um, so, you know, and then, and then after um, September, there was a new agreement, the Peace and National Partnership Agreement, that again was, um, in many ways, like, like the National Dialogue, had many good components on paper, but it was never quickly implemented. Um, by either side on the ground. Uh, both sides uh, really um, uh, pulled back from some of the commitments on paper. And then once again, uh, by January, the political crisis escalated over a conflict over the federal system. Uh, so as, as President Hattie and his group were going to move forward with a constitutional proposal that had the six-part federal region, uh, the Houthis um, absolutely refused and uh, because they were unable to resolve this politically, they resorted to arms and quickly escalated the situation, kidnapping um, uh, the director of the president's office and then eventually leading to the take complete takeover of, uh, of the capital, the government's resignation, and then a constitutional um, announcement that they made, which essentially um, was in direct violation of, of the constitution. Constitution and, and set up a revolutionary council. And this brings us to sort of uh, Yemen's current death spiral. You know, the the potential of this to get much worse very fast is is there and is is likely. Can you just I, I guess describe the current sort of drivers of conflict and why you think this will get much worse without um, some sort of international, you know, mediation? Uh, of course, but before we do that, let me just point out that I think in, in a Yemeni context, um, there were solutions and there, and there possibly still are solutions, to, especially to the issue of, of, of power sharing arrangements um, and even negotiating a, a solution to this issue of the, of the federal structure, although it's, it, it is much more, um, much more complicated. Um, the Houthis have overstretched politically and they were getting pushback 
domestically inside of Yemen, both inside of Sana'a, especially outside of Sana'a, uh, in southern areas, and, and also in, in the Shafi heartland that were resistant to their, their spread on the ground. And also many groups, even Salah's uh, General People's Congress Party, to their constitutional announcement. So there was a growing momentum politically against the Houthis uh, before the external military intervention. Um, but we Really, um, our, our concern is with um, is with the external military intervention. Um, this only complicates um, the uh, internal political competition inside of Yemen. It's militarizing uh, further the, the divides that are in the country between north and south. A growing divide between, uh, to some extent, Zaidi areas and Shafi groups. To some extent. Um, uh, the political divide between uh, those who support the Houthis and those who do not, and it's pushing uh, the opportunity for a settlement uh, further and further away. This is not a conflict that can be won militarily on the ground, um, certainly not by, by an aerial uh, military uh, intervention, and, and a ground uh, intervention uh, would, would complicate it uh, e even more. Um, it needs a political solution. Um, uh, but, you know, unfortunately, the, the, the current uh, framework, the current uh, um, Operation Decisive Storm, it's not clear what the, what the political end state is right now. Uh, what, what is the political exit strategy? Because both sides don't seem to want to put down arms. And both sides, at this point at least, seem to think that they can win the fight on the ground. Um, both sides are um, you know, pay, paying a degree of lip service to the idea of moving back to, um, to a negotiation process. Uh, however, um, at the same time, of course, they're preparing for a, a long and protracted uh, battle on the ground. Um, I, I don't know, you know it's, uh, if, if either side is under an, an, an impression that they can have a clear military victory. Um, uh, this would be incredibly difficult. For, for any faction, Yemen, Yemen is incredibly fractured right now. Um, the, uh, the Houthi um, uh, kind of Saleh alliance is in, internally fragile. The external military intervention has pushed the two sides closer together and made them together militarily and politically more powerful on, on the ground. But these are two groups that are not destined to, to last uh, together. Um, the anti-Houthi coalition is even more fractured, uh, weak, and divided. Not that there aren't many groups who oppose the Houthis politically uh, and also militarily, but they do not have a strong center of gravity or, or a leader or a vision that, that really uh, unites them, even with the Saudi uh, support uh, for that side. So certainly at a, at a, at a national level, neither the Houthis' uh, Saleh coalition um, is likely to successfully have a military victory, nor, nor, nor the other side. So, um, so is yes. it, um, just, just to, to wrap up, I mean, is it maybe too simplistic to say that this could devolve to like Syrian levels of depravity? I mean, you have, you know, sort of a witch's brew of, of Al-Qaeda and, and ISIS trying to stake their claim, com like overlaid with um, sectarian divides and, and local groups you being used as, as proxies with outside intervention. I mean, it seems like the trajectory is, is toward, you know, just like a, another sort of mass humanitarian catastrophe. You know, it is it is difficult to to predict, but you know, in I mean, indeed, it is a dangerous brew of different forces, both internally and especially externally. Now, when you get the type of uh, 
regional, external uh, attention into a country like Yemen that is already complex, that is already fractured politically around regional divides, um, has doesn't have the history of Shia uh, Sunni conflict, um, but, but increasingly has overlaid on top of a political power struggle this um, sectarian uh, narrative, and of course has um, Al Qaeda, who um, is is going to be the big winner from uh, a long and protracted conflict. So when you have this regional um, dynamic layered on top of it, you have many of the you have elements that are similar to to locations like like Syria. Um, but in terms of predicting where it goes from here, you know, Yemenis, I think, um, were still had a unique experience, and and they were quite close to um, coming to some kind of political settlement. Although it wasn't, it wasn't complete. Um, they still do not have the type of uh, sectarian and communal violence that that we have seen in, in in Syria. So they're they're certainly not yet there yet. There's room to to pull back, um, but it's impossible to predict. All right. Well, thank you all for listening. Thank you to April, and thank you to the International Crisis Group for uh, just doing what you do. If you're out there listening, thank you. And if you are interested in the work of the International Crisis Group, I recommend you listen to my long interview with their past president, Luis Arbour. Go to globaldispatchespodcast.com and you can find that episode. Also, if all goes according to plan, I'll be interviewing their new president, Jean-Marie Gehenno, sometime soon. So stay on the lookout for that and we'll see you next time. Bye.